uh, be in prayer for Lauren. She heads back to college on Friday and pray for her mom and dad as she leaves them again. And, uh, this, but uh, it's good, been good to have Lauren home. And I always love to see uh, those young people serving God. I know her mom and dad as well as our church. And this pastor is very proud of her. And uh, pray for her in the days ahead as God directs and leads her. Take your Bibles this morning if you're able to. Uh, let's stand this morning out of respect for the Word of God. 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter number 17. And, and uh, we have a little bit lengthier portion of Scripture this morning. But let's read these first verses this morning. 1 Kings chapter 17. And we'll begin reading in verse number one. Normally we have the scripture text, but because it was a little lengthy, uh, you'll have to follow along in your Bible this morning. If you're here and you don't have a copy of the Word of God, maybe uh, you can look on with somebody sitting next to you there if, if they'll share with you. And uh, so we can do that and let them follow along with us. And so 1 Kings 17, and uh, this is the second lesson in this series on live out the Christian life. And we, we spent a lot of time talking about salvation, and so this series gets more into the next phase of our life, and that is the area of sanctification, growing in the Lord. And so we're trying to develop this morning a faith to trust. And I don't know, a lot of times we say that we are trusting God, and, and we try to live that way, but many times our faith is not what it ought to be. And I think there's a couple good examples here in our text this morning that maybe will help you the way it's helped me as I've prepared. So let's begin in verse 1. The Bible says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So the, the, he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass, after a while, that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there, gathering of sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but an handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he 
and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness, or his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And so this morning we want to look at this passage and we want to talk about this fact of having a faith or developing a faith that is a faith to trust in God. Certainly Elijah and this other individual we'll talk about this morning experienced this time in their life and certainly many of you have probably been through it, going through it, or will go through something like this. And shall we pray and ask God to bless. Lord, thank you again for this morning. For the word of God, I pray that your word that we know is powerful will do its work in our hearts and lives. God, may it change us and help us to trust you even more than we do in our daily life. Lord, maybe more than we did this morning. Help us every day to have faith and trust in you. So increase our faith as your disciples asked you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated this morning. You know, everyone possesses trust, but it is the object of our trust that makes the difference. The object of our trust. In other words, when our faith is put to the test. Has anybody's faith ever been put to the test in your life? I, I know it seems like for me, it, maybe it's weekly, maybe it's daily sometimes, but my faith is constantly being put to the test. And it's in a time of trial that the source of our trust will be revealed. As I was thinking about this, I, of course, grew up in a background of construction. And uh, one of the things that I have seen over the years is how houses are built and even how they are built in certain parts of the country and even in the world. But long before builders would build walls and stand those walls up in a house and maybe begin to put in the windows and eventually put the roof on the building, before they do all of that, they start with a process that most of us never really see, and that is what we call the foundation. And a foundation is so important because a lot of times when, when we see in, in, our, in our lives, like for instance, this a picture here of a foundation. I, I know that I've seen uh, so much work that has been done before anything ever from the ground level goes up. And you think to yourself, how much time and how much resources and how much money are they going to spend on that foundation? But they understand how important it is. What a great truth that builders know. And that is this, that a structure without a firm foundation is useless. The truth is, eventually it will become disastrous without the right foundation. It's the most vital part of a structure because that structure rests upon it. And what's important is the investment that's made in that foundation. Well, the same is true in the Christian life. This matter of having the right foundation, investing in that foundation. And this is what we'll see in our passage this morning is without a solid foundation that our lives like buildings that don't have the right foundation, our lives too will crumble without the right foundation. So today's message is one where we're looking at building trust towards that foundation of God in our lives. 
when we lived in California, it was kind of an amazing place because most of the, the area we lived in, which was part of the Mojave Desert, was a very sandy, uh, you really, a lot of times, didn't even call it dirt. It was an interesting kind of soil. And I remember when they were going to build buildings, and our church was growing, God was blessing, and, uh, and, and there were so many needs there. And so they started building this building, and then they'd finish that, and then they'd need another building, and they'd start to build that. And I remember watching every day as they would come on the property, and they would take the dirt out. They would, they would go down, I don't know how many feet. They would remove the dirt, and they'd set it over on the side. Then after they put all the dirt that was over on the side, then they would start bringing it back into the same spot that they took it from. But as they brought it back in, they began to use compactors and various things. And I'm thinking to myself, that is really odd. Why didn't they just leave it there and build on it the way that it was? Why remove it, put the same dirt back in where it was? But I watched them do that over and over and over again because one thing is for sure, if you've ever lived in California, there is something that's very prevalent. It's called earthquakes. And earthquakes often would come and shake these buildings. And so when they would do that for the foundations out there, the reason they were doing that was to comply with the building codes that were set down by those that live in the state of California to make sure that when the earthquakes or tremors would come, that they would not shake those buildings and they would crumble and fall. And the challenges come in our lives too. They will shake us to the core. Uh, many of us have heard news, got news, things that have the potential to destroy us. And what these challenges, difficulties, tests will do is they will reveal the strength of our foundation. And it's during these times that we will really see, in other words, instead of just saying that I'm trusting God, we will really know whether we are trusting him or we're not trusting him the way that we should. In our text this morning, we see the prophet of God, Elijah. We also see the Bible not mention her by name. It's just the word, she's a widow. And we'll see these two individuals in our text today. Both of them were individuals like many of us that have learned to trust God during some of the most difficult times. The setting in the passage in 1 Kings 17 is really a culture that is very similar to the culture that we live in today. Let me describe it a little bit for you because what you see in the days of Elijah was that the nation of Israel, the people of God, had forgotten God. They had forgotten who God was and all that God had done for them. On top of that, the, the king and queen of the land was the name Ahab and his wife Jezebel. Now this king and queen were uh, like most of the day, human kings and queens, natural people that had no interest in God. They, they also had no interest in the consequences that came from rejecting God. And there's people today that we meet that number one, they have no interest in God. And secondly, they have no interest in the consequences of a life that's lived away from God, a life that's lived in sin. And so it's much like the culture of our day to day. There's a flagrant rejection of the one true God and this matter of accepting 
in the world. We see people today, instead of accepting God, they're accepting a pluralistic view of God or gods. And of course, this matter of idolatry, which is something that even Elijah in his day had to deal with, with Ahab and Jezebel and many of those in their day. Now, in response to Ahab and his wife Jezebel and their flagrant disobedience and their living in idolatry, God sends Elijah to them. Now, in our Sunday school hour this morning, we talked about Noah, and Noah lived in a day where, <clears throat> again, it was a very wicked day. Sin was abounding, and God sent Noah, a preacher of righteousness, to declare the judgment of God unless they would turn to God. And the same thing is happening here with Elijah in his day is God sent Elijah to proclaim judgment in his day. Now, years earlier, and I, I love this about God, is, is that God will oftentimes communicate to us whether we're listening or not. How many of you hold a copy of the Bible in your hand? Would you hold it up? Do you know that that is God's love letter to you? That God has preserved his word to this generation and God has promised that his word will be here forever and God has communicated his word to you. In other words, God wants you to know what he has for your life, who he is, what he has promised to you, but also he also reveals in his word what will happen if you ignore what the Bible has to say. That's what we see in our passage this morning. God had, years before the days of Elijah, made it clear to his people what the consequences would be upon them and upon their land if they would reject him. Notice in your outline this morning, Deuteronomy chapter 11, and we're in 1 Kings in our Bible, so you can see not only the distance in your Bible, but really years before this. Here's what God said to them, but they had forgotten this. And the Bible says, It shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first, rain and, uh, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full. Take heed to yourselves, that your heart be not deceived. Neither, notice here, turn, he says, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. He says, don't let your hearts be deceived. Take heed, that's a warning from God. And then he says this, and then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you. And he shut up the heaven that there be no rain and that the land yield not her fruit unless ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. Now, is that true or not? That God clearly told them, if you're not going to obey me, if you're not going to listen to what I have to say, then I'm just going to turn off the faucets from heaven. Is that what God said? Now, I'm kind of reading between it in Keeley 2 too, right? But, but that's what God said. God says, I'm going to withhold the rain. You won't receive the blessings. Folks, listen, this principle is so true in our lives that, that we need to understand this principle of sowing and reaping. That if we would just listen to God, obey God, that God will bless our lives. But if we do not obey God, if we do not listen to God, then God will withhold the blessing. How many of you like being blessed? Okay, I think every hand's up here this morning. If it wasn't, maybe you didn't hear the question. 
But all of us enjoy blessings. And listen, I, I enjoy a, a present from someone, a gift from my wife. Listen, I enjoy blessings, but I'll, I enjoy blessings from God far better than blessings from any person. God has great things in store for us. But see, God had clearly made it known. And these words that, that, that we see here in Deuteronomy 7, uh, chapter 11, and also in our passage in 1 Kings chapter number 17, as Elijah stood in his day reminding the people about what God had said back in Deuteronomy chapter number 11, these were not the words of a crazy prophet that was trying to scare this wicked King Ahab and his wife, into submission to God. That wasn't what was going on here. He was proclaiming the truth of God's word. Look back in verse number 1 in our text, 1 Kings chapter 17. Look at verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, now notice what he says, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, whom I stand, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Now, can I tell you this morning, that wasn't a personal pronoun saying that according to Elijah's word, he was saying according to the word of God. And this is what we see here is that Elijah wasn't trying to scare Ahab. He was basically declaring the truth of God's word. And as always, here's what happened. God's word came to pass, and God sent a drought. Now, I know I'm preaching something totally foreign to South Florida. The word drought is rare around here. I mean, drought is, we've only had 600 inches of rain this week instead of 400 inches of rain or something like that, you know, or vice versa. But see, we find here that God's word came to pass. This drought became an incredible thing to everyone, but get this. You remember who the one that was that God used to declare his message? What was his name? Come on, are you listening this morning? What was his name? Elijah. Now, get this. Elijah was living where the drought came to. He was living for God. He was proclaiming God's message. He was doing everything God wanted him to do. And when he proclaimed this and it came to pass, it, de it did not just affect Ahab and Jezebel and the people of the land. It affected Elijah. Are you with me this morning? See, this, pro this, this prophecy that he proclaims, the word of God, because he, he began to, to preach this, it was something that came into his life it was an incredible test for him, but it also became a test for that widow and her son. And it was during this time, and just like in our lives, a time of extreme difficulty that their lives, like ours, was shaken, and their faith was put to the test. Now, it's through the life of Elijah and this widow that I want to look at this morning. And may God help you like he's helped me this week to see their responses because the responses that they gave to this drought and what was going on in their day actually reveals to us what their foundation really was. Notice, first of all, the trust of Elijah. The Bible says in verse number 2 of 1 Kings chapter 17, it says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, 
Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went, and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went, and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Now when you look at these verses, you see again that Elijah, living in this day, certainly when he preached the word of God to Ahab, he automatically had a target on his back. Because he was the one proclaiming this message, now Ahab and everyone else was looking at him. Elijah, why did you do this? Why did you bring this on our lives? Why did you make this happen? He became a target of their anger. Everybody was upset with him. Now more than ever, what Elijah was going to have to do was he was going to have to learn how to trust God even more for everything in his life. And so what does God do? God tells him that he wants him to go, and he did what God told him to do. God asked him to go, and his obedience was proof that he was trusting in God. Now what did he do? Notice he trusted God, first of all, to go to Cherith, the Bible mentions. Now he trusted God's direction. And as he went to Cherith, now get a hold of this, God says, I'm going to take care of you while you're there. He says, I'm going to provide for you. The brook will give you the water that you need. And he says, and I'm going to have these nice little messengers that are going to bring you food. Does everybody know what a raven is? Ugly, nasty, filthy birds. You know, some people call them crows, maybe enlarged crows. You know, maybe these were you know, the sons of gas uh, crows. I don't know. They, I mean, I've seen these things. Where, where we lived one time in, in our lives, uh, we, we were living in an area where uh, these birds were so prevalent that people that had smaller dogs couldn't let them out in the yard without watching them because these birds would carry their dog off. They had, they had that happen many, many times. And so God says, I, I want you to go to Cherith. And I love this saying where God guides, God always provides. And that's exactly what he did. God was using these birds, these ravens to sustain Elijah. And folks, I'm going to tell you something that's miraculous because I've never seen any bird ever share his food with me. I mean, they are, they are selfish, you know. You know, I've never just never seen it. You know, here, you want some of my... No, they take it and they're gone. Now, if Elijah would not have trusted God's provision and God's direction, he would have never seen God's miraculous provision for him. I mean, every day. He, listen, Elijah never had to go to Walmart. Walmart came to him. I mean, it's an amazing thing how God took care of him, but what we do a lot of times when it comes to trust is we want to analyze our options, and then after looking at the options, then we want to determine whether or not we're going to go that direction. Many Christians miss out on experiencing the great acts of God's provision in their life because they refuse to go in the direction that God wants to send them. Well, God, I don't want to go there. God, I don't want to do that. But God told him to go to Cherith. And as God sent him there, God promised that he was going to guide him. That's what God will do to anyone that trusts him. Look at Psalm 18, verse 30. The Bible says, as for God, his way is what? 
perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler or a shield to all those that trust in him. Folks, our growth in the Lord is based on our faith in him. Do you trust him with your life? Look at the Bible says as you think about this matter of having faith in him, Romans 14, 23, he that doubteth is damned if he eat because he eateth not of faith, but whatsoever is not of faith is what? It's sin. Folks, listen, we must believe that God can take care of us because God has said that he would. And God is able to take care of us just like he took care of Elijah. I love these verses in Hebrews 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Trusting in God, folks, it's not just something for today or this afternoon or maybe next week. It's a lifelong process. It's a privilege of ours to trust the Lord in all areas of our life. But there must be a constant surrender in our lives. As Elijah, if we're going to grow, we've got to be surrendered to God's provision and God's direction. See, Cherith, this is a wonderful thing about it is, Cherith actually became a haven of protection from Ahab in the life of Elijah. But there was a day, as the Bible says, where the brook that was supplying his, his water dried up. Now remember, God's never going to abandon us as his children. Jesus said, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the world. So notice that God asked him, hey, listen, Elijah, I want you to go to Cherith. So he goes to Cherith, he obeys God. And so there came a day where Cherith was no longer going to be the place of God. So God, secondly, sent him to go to a place called Zarephath. Now, look what it says in verse number 9. The Bible says, he says unto him, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, he hadn't even got into the city, Behold, the widow woman was there. She was gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Now remember, there was a drought. There had been no water. And he says, I want you to go get me a drink. Now as we see God redirecting him to this place called Zarephath, if you look on a map, Zarephath is a town on the Mediterranean Sea. And you can see here that where the brook was, that's the Cherith brook, that you can see the journey that he probably would have took going, heading north, getting up, going across over to the Mediterranean Sea to Zarephath there in the land of Phoenicia. That as he goes there, here's an interesting thought is Zarephath was actually the hometown of Jezebel's father. It was a pagan town. It was a very wicked place. In other words, let me put it this way. He went from bad to way worse by going to this town. But that's where God sent him. Now, if you're like Elijah or me, you would be thinking to yourself, this makes absolutely no sense. God sends me to a brook. He allows birds to take care of me. The water dries up, and then God sends him to this place 
that is a very wicked place. It was an unlikely place, but when he got there, he met the most unlikely person. The Bible mentions her as a widow. Now, I think Elijah probably had all kinds of questions. God, listen, isn't there something better? Don't you have something better for your servant? Have not I been doing what you asked me to do? But yet, I don't see Elijah questioning God as he meets this poor widow and he expects her to take care of him. He expects her to meet his needs because that's what God told him to do. But when he gets there, he meets this widow in the gate and she's gathering sticks. It was a very humbling thing for Elijah to ask her the things that he did, but with simple trust, he did what God asked him to do. He obeyed God. And God certainly took care of him, but not only did God take care of Elijah, but he took care of the widow and he took care of her son. As a result of this, we see God blessing her faith too, because she had been asking God, and all the while she was taking care of this man, this prophet of God, Elijah. And when we find ourselves sometimes in this position, like this widow woman, with someone coming and we don't have provisions, and how in the world can I give? How can I be a part of that? A lot of times, here's the problem, because we can't see the whole picture. We can't see everything that God's trying to do. Folks, can I tell you, I've learned this, you don't have to see the whole picture. The only thing you need to do is trust God. Remember, if you've got the foundation right, then understand that when the time of testing comes, that you'll have the faith to meet those tests. And so you need to ask yourself, like this widow, are you fully trusting and obeying what God is asking you to do? Because God assures us of his love and his care for us over and over again in the word of God. God assures us of how he will take care of us. He tells us in his word that his thoughts are not our thoughts, that his ways are not our ways. They are higher than our ways. Look what Jeremiah said. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace not of evil. And God says to give you an expected end. See, God's going to take care of you, folks. How many of you believe that this morning? And listen, if your hand's up, you're a child of God. You have to believe whatever you're going through, that God will take care of you. Some of the most encouraging verses, look in Luke 12. Jesus says these words, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, neither spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of what? Little faith. He says, And seek not ye, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your father, what's that next word? He knoweth that ye have need of these things. I mean, God, God knows what needs you have today. Now look at this. He says here that the father knoweth that ye have need of these things, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. That's the way to live our lives. Look, Elijah's test, it was severe. 
But when I look at the scriptures, God was trustworthy. No matter how difficult the test, God is up to anything we go through. God is trustworthy. Even when it made no sense to him, he followed God's direction. And through his obedience, God revealed his power. God took care of the man. And Elijah was not the only one in the story that was experiencing difficulties. Remember, he met this widow when he got to Zarephath. And so I want you to notice this widow because she too was being tried by the Lord. Notice the test of the widow in verse number 10. The Bible says as we read on, it says, So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and he called unto her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and what? That sounds, that sounds pretty dismal, doesn't it? Doesn't sound to me like there's much hope there. I mean, her predicament, listen, by the way, it was real to her. Some of you right now, I guarantee you, some of you are going through some difficult times. And, and it may not be meal like her, but it may be little in your bank account. It might be a little bit of food in your house. Uh, whatever it is, can I say it this way? Little is much when God is in it. And here she is saying, look, this is a very difficult time for me, Lord. I don't understand why I'm going through this, but I'm having a hard enough time even supporting my own son, much less, now you sent some man my way. But God saw and God cared for her need. We don't know much about this woman, but let me share a few things we do know about her. Notice her residence. I mentioned a minute ago that Zarephath was a pagan town. The people there, they were worshiping the false idol of Baal. And you, you can understand that if, you're, if you are a child of God, you believe in God, you have faith in God, and you're living in a town that is very steeped in paganism, idolatry, that's not an easy place for a Christian to fit in. But I see in the Bible many examples of people who did thrive for God even in a wicked world that they lived in. I think of Joseph in the Bible. Joseph lived for God in his day. I mean, who would have thought that somebody like Joseph would have come out of Egypt? You think about Jesus, and the world that he came to. The Bible says he came unto his own, and his own received him not. The very world that he created said, crucify him. And yet Jesus came. And this widow, she lived among these Baal worshipers. And listen, even though she lived in a very wicked place, and just like us today, we live in a very difficult world that we live in. God saw her need and God cared for her needs. And I see her residence, but notice I see her resources. And we've seen this already, how that she didn't have much. And she was doing all she could to keep herself and her son alive. And, and you might think to yourself, what can God do with so little? And I love that about God because God can take something so little and he can do something so great with it. Uh, you, you might say, well, I don't have much. 
I really don't know what God can do, and, and I'm not much, and I don't know if God can use me. The question is, how tightly are you holding on to what you have? Are you willing to give it like the widow with the two mites? And you know the story in John chapter 6, and it may be there in your outline, how Jesus is he's being followed by this great crowd of people. And these people have been following him all day, and they're, they're becoming weary, and they're, they're out in the sun, and, and they haven't had anything to eat. And Jesus begins to have this conversation with his disciples, and he, he actually asks them, he says, hey, listen, tell the people to sit down. And they begin to try to inquire about what do we have. And the Bible records here in John 6 how that there was a, there was a lad there that had five loaves and two fishes. But what are they among so many? I mean, that'd be like me right now if I had one loaf of bread for this crowd right here. You know, it's, it's not much. But Jesus took it. He was God in the flesh. He blessed it. He broke it. And he distributed it among his disciples. And he said, I want you to go feed the people. So here they are, taking the food out, giving it to the people. The Bible mentions men, 5,000 men. The, the truth is there was probably thousands more than that, but it just mentions the men. And, and the Bible says they all ate, and in this instance, there were 12 basketful of food left over. But they started with five loaves and two fishes. Hey, listen, God can do anything, anything but fail, right? See, do we believe that? I see this woman and the place that she was living in and the meager resources that she had, and the amazing thing that God did with that little. But then I also see her reasoning, because you, you read the verse with me. What was her intention? Hey, listen, I just have a little bit, and I'm going to make it for me and my son. One last meal. It won't be much. I mean, folks, listen, two sticks. Doesn't sound to me like it's much of a fire. Two sticks. But yet she was going to prepare this meal, and they were going to eat it, and they were going to die. You look at her reasoning here, her intention. I mean, folks, honestly, it might have been an accurate reasoning without God, but see, God was a part of this. Her reasoning was without faith. She was not trusting in the Lord. Her reasoning was without vision because she, like many of us, she could not see past her last meal. Some of you right now, you can't see past your next paycheck. You can't see past today. You can't see past what's going to happen next year. Listen, if God rolled back the curtain, it'd probably scare all of us if we could see that. And that's why we see that when it comes to trusting God, it's not a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing to trust God. Proverbs 3, look at verse 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Our human nature is always bent, and it will always pull us away from trusting God. But I'm thankful that Elijah looked at this widow who was very despondent and said, listen, there is a better way, and that better way is that you need to obey what God is asking you to do instead of listening to your own reasoning. Now, that's easy to say, especially if you're in her predicament. But when you look at this, 
all of us can look back to times in our lives where we've been faced with a choice. And that choice is, are we going to trust God or are we going to yield to our own reasoning? That doesn't make sense to do that. I mean, I should, I, I can't even pay my own bills and I'm supposed to give to the Lord. Well, what about my bills? I might not have enough food left to eat. Folks, these are all viable questions. By the way, this, this pastor standing before you has had many of those questions in my own heart and life over the years. You know, and we think about ourselves and the reasoning, but look what it says in Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof. Now, did you notice the verse? To man, natural man, it seems like the right thing to do. Hey, listen, I can't, I can't give to the Lord. I can't participate, be a part of that. I can't do this, I can't do that. Because, listen, that's wrong. Because, listen, I need to make sure I take care of myself. I need to make sure I take care of my family. That widow would have been saying, hey, listen, I need to make sure I take care of my son. And by the way, she would have been right to do that. But what does the Bible say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things. Some of you are looking at me funny right now. And it all boils down to our message. Are you trusting? Are you fully trusting God? Because if you are, you have to believe that God will take care of you and your son and your bills and all these other things. But if you don't believe that, then listen, your reasoning is going to cause you to not trust God. And this is what many of us are faced with. See, through the stories of the Elijah and this widow, we really learn here that God, and, I, and many of you raised your hand earlier, God will test your faith. He's going to put it to the test. Now, God will not tempt you for evil. God will never do anything to hurt you or to harm you. But what God's going to do is he's going to try to get you to fully rely upon him, to trust him, in your life, most Christians claim they trust in God, but when the storms of life arise in their life, then we really know if our trust is in word only. Because both Elijah and this widow, listen, they trusted in God. And here's what happened. Because they trusted in God, a miraculous thing happened. An amazing miracle transpired. Notice number three, the triumph of faith. And go with me in your Bible to verse 13. Look what it says here in verse 13. And Elijah said unto her, now listen, he had heard her story. He had heard her say, hey, listen, I, I, just, I just got a little bit of food. I'm going to make this meal. Me and my son, we're going to die. He heard all of that. And certainly he probably looked around, probably saw that she was very frail, probably didn't have a lot of meat on her bones. I mean, listen, she wasn't living extravagantly. He saw all that, but notice what he says to her in verse 13. As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of, of, of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake. What's the next word? First. And bring it unto me, and afterwards make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith who? 
Does it say, for thus saith Elijah? It says, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth, and she went, now look at this, she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. What a miraculous thing, folks. Hey, listen, do you believe every word of God? Do you believe the Bible is true? This is not just some made-up story this morning. I'm not trying to hype you. I'm just excited about what God did in the life of this widow and her son and her, and her family and Elijah and so many other people. And notice the triumph of faith because it came with the request from the prophet as he requested the provisions. And notice what he says to her. I need you to take care of me first. Let's say that. Take care of me first. Say it again. Take care of me first. Now listen, this isn't Elijah being selfish. This is a principle that God is teaching here. I mean, Elijah was a man that for the last several months, God had taken care of this man by the brook Cherith, by sending these ravens to take care of him. And the scripture commands, just like us, that, that we ought to understand that everything we do, that we ought to give to God first, instead of taking care of other things, instead of taking care of us, that we ought to take care of God first. The Bible mentions it as first fruits. Look what it says in Proverbs 3 and verse 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Now watch this. If you do that, if you honor God, if you give God his first, like Elijah says, you take care of me first. God says, if you give me the first fruits of all your increase... People have said to me over the years, now, Pastor, this whole tithing thing, is that off my gross or my net? Folks, that's an easy one. I don't even think I need to tell you. It says, of all thine increase. And the Bible says in verse number 10 of Proverbs 3, that if we're going to honor the Lord, we're going to give the first fruits of all our increase. Now, watch this. A bunch of you raised your hands earlier and said you'd like to be blessed. Okay, so here it is. If you give God the first fruits of all your increase, look at verse 10. So shall thy barns be what? Filled with what? Plenty. And thy presses shall burst out. In other words, you're gonna have, you're gonna need a, a, another place. You're gonna need a bigger bank account. You're gonna need a bigger safety deposit box. Folks, listen, I'm telling you that most of us, if we would just trust God and just obey God, God's gonna open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you cannot receive it. Look what the Bible says as you think about this, because we've got to have a willingness to give back to God his first. Look at Malachi chapter 3. Bring ye how much of the tithes? All. Now look at this, into the storehouse. That's another word synonymous with the church house. And when we bring what is rightfully God's into the storehouse, he says that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, that if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. So look, what did Elijah do? He made a request. He asked this widow to feed him first, 
And he indicated that if you take care of me first, God's going to take care of you and your son. That's what the Bible says. So notice what is the response of the widow. Well, here it is. She simply obeyed. And what did God do? God brought deliverance. I love what Job said. And you know what all Job went through in his life. The Bible says that Job mentioned these words. He delivered the poor in his affliction. This widow was a poor widow. She didn't have much. And we may not like it while we're going through the test or going through the trial. But listen, just like this widow, being in a place where our faith is being tested is a good place to be in. And her barrel was nearly empty. But listen, she gave her last scoop to God, did she not? She said, hey, listen, this is what God told me to do, and that's what I'm going to do. And that's why I love what David said in Psalm 37. I have been young, and now I'm old, and yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Did you get that? God's not only going to take care of you, but he's going to take care of your descendants. You honor me. You trust me. And I will take care of you. See, I see the request of the prophet, and I see the response of the widow, but then notice I see the resource was supplied by God. But for the length of the drought, listen, I don't know how much longer it lasted, but until the rain started to come down, guess what? God took care of Elijah, God took care of the widow, and God took care of her son. They never lacked for one thing. They didn't go without food. Listen, all the people around them, they were being judged by God. But boy, word probably got out about the widow's house and how God was taking care of her. And because of their trust in God, they were safe from starvation. Hey, God took care of their needs, his resources. Listen, can I tell you today, God's resources have not dwindled down. God still owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the wealth in every mine. But God still asks us to trust him. People say, there you go again, talking about money in church. That's all churches want is my money, 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 money. God doesn't need your money. God wants your obedience. And as we obey him, guess what God's going to do? He's going to bless your life. My dad always had a problem with this. He always had a problem. He, he thought, that's all the church wants is my money. You know, and a lot of times I wanted to say to him, well, Dad, they're not going to get much if you give them something, you know. <laughs> but look what Luke 6.38 says. Look at these words. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Look at these words. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Well, I put a dollar in. Well, bless your pea-picking heart. God's going to give you a dollar back. And I, Look, we laugh about that. But remember, can I tell you that, yes, tithe means tenth, but the reality is it's all God's. Every last bit of it, whether you worked for it, whether you sweated by your brow for it. And folks, the principle here, when I see this, and it deals with this matter of trusting, can you trust God with your finances? The way you trust God with your life. Look what Paul writes here to those in Philippi. My God shall supply all your need according to his 
riches in glory by Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. So the question this morning is, is your faith being tested? Has God been testing you? The truth is he probably has. But I know this, God's promises are true. And God is trustworthy. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? We look at the lives of the widow and the prophet this morning. And they serve as a great example to us. Great example of this matter of do we really trust God? Because I know that this has been true all these years and it's still true today. God honors and God blesses faith. Storms are going to come. They're going to be different for all of us. But are you going to trust God? Are you going to trust God in every area of your life? I, I, I thought for many days now, studying for this message, I've thought about this widow. And I thought of the widow with the two mites. I thought of so many in the Bible that had so little. And you know what I find? I find happy people. Oftentimes, you see people that have so much and they're miserable. Because some people have come to understand the principle that you just obey God. You just do what God asks you to do in whatever area of your life. Like, for instance, this morning, if you're not saved, God wants all to come to Him, to put their faith in Him, to spend all of eternity with Him in a place called heaven. And if you're here this morning and you've never asked the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin, to come into your heart and be your Savior, if you've never trusted Christ, then that is what God wants you to take care of today, is to seek Him today. And the Bible says if you seek Him, He will be found. If you're not saved today, then God wants you to do business with Him today. He wants you to invite him into your life to be your Savior. He died for your sins. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you may need to be saved today. And we're, we're going to invite you in just a minute to come. And we'll take the Bible and show you how you can know from the Word of God how you can go to heaven someday. But all those of us this morning that are saved, and you're living your life, the journey, the Christian life. Are you living a life of faith? Are you giving God first? I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about yourself. I'm talking about your time. I'm talking about your children. Whatever it is, are you willing, like Elijah asked of that widow, to give God first? And then all these things. See, things will fall into place when you trust God, when you have faith in God. Let's stand this morning to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.